On a late October evening many years ago, four middle 30-somethings sat on the banks of the Rio Grande River and enjoyed the coming of evening on the last night of a seven-day backpacking adventure. One was a lapsed Episcopalian, one a non-practicing Jew, one was a confirmed atheist, and the last was and still is an Episcopal priest, me. We had been on the trail for almost a week and had up until that moment avoided the topics of politics, faith, and spirituality. It had been painfully made clear on a previous week-long hike together that the vast differences of opinions and perspectives between us about these matters would only create unnecessary tensions at the very best and outright heated arguments and disagreements at the worst. And then it happened. Chuck, I just have to say it. You know that you are what you are doing, how you're spending your life is a total waste of time and energy. There is no God. What we see is it. There's no God, no heaven, no nothing, nothing but this which we see here and now. When we die, that's it. Over and done. Over, done, out. I took a deep breath said that I disagreed with my atheist acquaintance and that I didn't want to continue the discussion. And then he pressed the issue, so I excused myself, saying I was going for a solo walk to enjoy the coming of darkness and to say my prayers. Upon my return, we thankfully carried on a non-confrontational conversation before we turned in for an early evening because we were leaving before dawn on a 20-hour trip home. In this morning's gospel lesson, we hear about friends on a journey led by Jesus. They have seen extraordinary and wonderful things. The deaf have received their hearing. The speechless have been given their speech. Unclean spirits have been driven out of those possessed Lepers have been healed and made clean. The wind and the waves have been calmed, and thousands have been fed with just a few fish and a few loaves. Jesus' followers have learned important lessons from this amazing rabbi. And just before this moment in the gospel, Peter has answered the question Jesus poses, Who do you say I am? with the words, You are the Christ. Immediately, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Walt Wrangelin, a Lutheran pastor and author of the book, The Book of God, imagines this event from Peter's point of view. Jesus said, things are going to change now. Then heaved a heavy sigh. We, are all, we were all moving with him toward a little spring of water, Jesus then said, I have to go to Jerusalem. When I get there, I will suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. I'm telling you now so that you need not be surprised when it happens. It will happen. Jesus knelt down by the spring, 
still cold from its emergence from the earth. He made a cup of his hands and scooped water. Just before he started to drink, he said, I will be killed in Jerusalem and on the third day be raised. I spoke again. I said the most natural thing there was to say. Well, my feelings were so hurt by Jesus' words. Be killed? I grabbed Jesus' wrist and shouted, no. The water splashed from his hands. No, God will not allow it, I cried. On account of my feelings, I was gripping him with all my strength. But Jesus started to pry my fingers from his wrist. He had terrible power in his hands. I blustered on. Surely he knew I was arguing out of love for him. Oh, Lord, I said, this can never happen to you. Once Jesus was through criticizing me, my thoughts were, no, but I care for the things of God. And I love you, Lord Jesus. This is so confusing. One minute I'm Peter, the next minute I'm Satan, but I didn't change. You see, Peter couldn't hear the words of Jesus. He did not want to hear them. He did not want to accept that things were about to change and change drastically. The life Peter had come to know and enjoy at Jesus' side was coming to an end. There was no doubt about it. Jesus begins to teach that a new and different time is at hand. Peter clings to the human perspective, holding on to that which can be seen and understood. Jesus has begun to teach about the faith, the faith that has healed so many, even calmed the seas. Jesus is starting to speak about matters eternal and the cost of discipleship. I will be killed, Jesus says. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Lose your life and save it. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he returns. We can be so much like Peter with limited insight and hearing. Limited by the fact that we are human and tend not to see beyond the moment, beyond what we know and what we hear and what we believe we can control. This, of course, is a natural tendency, a very human one, but taken to the extreme, this tendency can cause us to lose sight of God and fall into complete disbelief. To one who has no faith, it becomes easy to adopt the, adopt the belief of my fellow hiker who tried at the first conversation to draw me back into the discussion with these words, Chuck, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we will die. I wondered if he knew he was quoting a part of the Old Testament to me at that time. I cannot help but think that the live for today and don't worry about tomorrow mindset is a part of what has helped create the present economic crisis. I hope and pray that you and I will not be spiritually pulled under by the present crisis that grips so many people, people we know, people around us, and people throughout the world. You and I 
can hear what Peter could not hear. We hold fast to the words Jesus spoke to Peter and those around him. And after three days, the Son of Man will rise again. We are here, we are here today because we seek to be able to say the imagined thoughts of Peter. I do care for the things of God, and I love you, Lord Christ. Granted, we do tend to live for today, but we also have great hope. Hope not only for tomorrow, but hope for the coming inbreaking of God's kingdom. We desire to be a part of that kingdom and to help it come now. And so we live with faith, striving to have a faith like Abraham and Sarah. We live into the ups and downs of life and know that God is with us. And we believe that in these last days, God sent Jesus to be incarnate from the Virgin Mary to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. We believe that in Christ, God has delivered us from evil and made us worthy to stand before God. We believe that in Christ, God has brought us out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. The stark realities of the present time toss us to and fro. Living in an uncertain time can be uncomfortable, even frightening. But we are people of faith, people seeking a deeper relationship with and knowledge of God. And we do not lose hope. We are not helpless. And God is with us always. During the season of Lent, we make a time, additional time, to reflect, listen, study, and pray. We seek to bring ourselves again with penitent and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of the word, Jesus Christ, as we travel with him to Jerusalem, to the cross, to the grave, and to resurrection. Amen.